Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. 17 games on the MLB schedule yesterday, and it seems like we have about 34 starting pitchers to talk about. We got a lot of pitchers, mostly a pitcher show today. Also, some trade talk. Buy low, sell high, buy high. Welcome, everybody. Adam, Scott, and Heath. Scott White, are you prepared to talk about your buy lows and your sell highs and your buy highs? Are you going to wing it? I'm going to wing it. Okay. I'm going to wing it. That's, that's served me well the past couple of Thursdays. Adam, <laughs> I, I respect you, yeah. and I respect your time and the effort that you put into putting this show together. And so whenever you send a request for stuff like this, I get it ready. You're ready? You're good to go? I, I am prepared. Okay, let's see if I can organically talk about your trade targets uh in the show before we get to the segment like i did last week uh obviously we'll talk about Corey kluber we got some call-ups we got nick senzel coming up tomorrow uh we've got an update on griffin canning and a couple of other starting pitchers who uh were called up or will be soon glenn sparkman we'll talk about him and then probably dismiss him and we got some bullpen updates for you how about ty butchery michael kane getting the save yesterday huh should I do that now? Yeah, we'll whatever. Save that for later. <laughs> whatever. Not not after you say should I do that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should only do it like right in that moment. <laughs> agreed, yeah. agreed. I thought, you know, I thought he'd do it. Uh and of course Caleb Smith. Wild with a huge start yesterday. People have been begging for that. And now you got the Wild Stallions. That but. was that was singular, right? Or do they say stallions? They say stallions. But there's only one stallion. Okay, well, that's still a Ted. Um, Corey Kluber broke his arm. Scott, react. Ouch. Yeah, that's <laughs> not good. Uh, they don't have a timetable for it, but it's a broken bone. Not displaced, so no surgery, or, I don't, I wouldn't imagine, but, um, because it's his pitching arm and the forearm, I imagine the timetable for recovery would be more like six to eight weeks than four to six. And then probably a month of getting back into pitching shape after that. So he's he's done for the first half, I think it's fair to say. Um, now, I, I guess the upside to this, if you're a Kluber owner, is you already have a pretty good idea how your team is going to fare without Corey Kluber because he's given you basically nothing so far. Um, so if you're if you've been doing well in spite of him, probably not too much reason to worry if you haven't. You might need to you might need to get on that. You might need to look into uh making a trade to upgrade your pitching staff. Maybe buy any any number of uh buy low on any number of struggling aces. Obviously Kluber is not one you can buy low on anymore, but there are plenty of others out there. Blake Snell, for instance, who struggled yesterday. Mm-hmm. How, how it's, long it's do worth I have trying. To, how long do I have to wait before I say I guess one of my bold predictions is going to be right? He, what was Which it? One? Kluber is going to be what the fourth best? No, Shane Bieber will be the second best Indian oh. starter. Yeah, yeah. Bieber hasn't been yeah. so hot lately either, has he? Well, there's only there's only him and Clevenger, or there's only him and Bauer left. Carrasco's left. Carrasco. 
Yeah. Always Carrasco. Kluber hasn't been very good. I mean, we should probably just talk about that, too. Uh, I guess, you know, this gives it, like, Scott's right. If you have Corey Kluber, your team's actually going to be better than, than it has been <laughs> while you've been playing Kluber. Because, you know, you'd want Kluber, obviously, but he's got a 580 ERA and a 1.65 whip. Um, so, you know, whoever you use to replace him is almost certainly going to, to do better than that. Uh, I, you know what? I don't, I don't, I suppose we don't have to talk about it only to say that. People might ask, you know, I'm running out of IL spots. Is Kluber a mustache? Like, how would you rank Kluber with Severino and Clevenger? I'd rather have Kluber. Yeah, I'd rank them similarly, but I feel like the road to recovery for Kluber is a little clearer than when you're dealing with um, muscle stuff related to the pitching arm. I mean, a broken bone heals. That's what it does. Um, But muscles can be tricky. Right. Yeah, because I feel like Kluber is like has a, a 90, 95% chance that he is going to start a game again during the fantasy baseball regular season. And I don't feel like Severino or Clevenger's number is anywhere close to that high. Okay, so Kluber out with a broken arm, and the Marlins got to him. And meanwhile, A.J. Pollock needs elbow surgery. So we don't have a timetable, but he's expected to play again this season. That's what the timetable we've been given on uh, AJ Pollock is, but he's out for a while. <laughs> I, I mean, I assume. Well, I'd like to stash him. I'm going to put him on my IL for a while, but I could see a crunch. Being, you know, it could be a long time for Pollock. So, all right, you, you, you as a fantasy owner, try to stash him if you can, but it could be tough. Um, meanwhile, I'd for, rather stash Kluber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, would you rather stash Severino or Pollock? Probably Severino. I, I, yeah, I'd rather stash um, the 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 greater scarcity, the more likely to be impactful when they come back. I'd, like you can you can end up with a pretty good outfielder just playing the waiver wire, even from this point forward. If you've missed out on what's already passed you by, I, I don't think there's going to be any shortage of usable outfielders like there is high end starting pitchers. And Pollock, uh, his replacement, hopefully, is Alex Verdugo, who did start against the lefty yesterday, but that was with David Freeze being injured, so we don't know uh, what would have happened if Freeze had been healthy. And Brad Osmus said Shohei Otani, who could be back as early as next week, is going to play against lefties. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for Shohei Otani? I mean, in the majority of leagues, it would be good. Um, I would probably hurt his batting average potential and Roto. Categories, leagues, you know, and if you're setting your lineup daily, you might not like it so much as somebody who sets their lineup weekly. But I, I think if if he's a true everyday player, he's going to be pretty close to must start. When that wasn't the case as a platoon guy. Yeah, I think it's better, much better in points leagues and slightly worse in categories leagues. All right, so your stats of the day, just some fun baseball stats like we did yesterday. This is from Tim Britton. He's a Mets beat writer for The Athletic. It's weird and it's small sample, but in Edwin Diaz's major league career, opponents have an, a 10-11 OPS in tie games and a 485 OPS in all other situations. And that's relevant because Diaz <laughs> served up a home run in a tie game and lost it for the Mets yesterday. So that I think two days in a row he's given up a home run in a tie game. Uh, so don't throw him in a tie game, Edwin Diaz. Here's a stats by stats on Twitter. Through Friday, the Mariners led the AL West at 18 and 11. 
Since then, they have lost by 14, 13, 1, and 11 runs. The, uh, the Seahawks, no. The Mariners are the first team to lose four straight games, three of them by more than 10 runs, since the 1890 Philadelphia A's, an American association team in its final week of existence. So the Mariners have basically made history. That's pretty amazing. All right, we got to get to the Wednesday standouts. We will talk about Max Fried coming up in a little bit. I've got the Thuriometer on this Wednesday. See if you're thurried about anybody with some third baseman on there. Um, but who stood out to you guys? Heath, why don't you kick it off? Who were your uh, Wednesday standouts or st- standout or I'm going to go with that Alberto Mondesi. Okay. He, in a doubleheader yesterday, hit a home run, hit a double, had a single, stole two bases, now has four home runs, 10 stolen bases. He's hitting like 290, and he's on pace for like 125 RBI. He's not been exactly who we thought he was going to be, but he's been very, very close to exactly who he thought he was going to be. He is awesome. Mondesi is the number two shortstop in fantasy. And, uh, well, he, he is in points leagues. I imagine Roto as well, unless he's number one. No, he's number three behind Tim Anderson and Javier Baez. Uh, he also has the most extra base hits at home, I believe, of any player in baseball. It's a good park for him because he'll get his doubles and triples there. I mean, it's not a good home run park, but he's got seven doubles and five triples, Mondesi. Okay. So you say Mondesi, Scott, give me a standout. Yeah, I like Mondesi, huh? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Anthony Desclafani, who is widely available still and just put together his third straight really impressive start. And if you look at the breakdown of his pitches, one thing he has begun to do more that a lot of pitchers have begun to do more is, is less of the two-seamer and really more of the curveball and the four-seamer, which are his best two swing and miss pitches. He gets a lot of swings and miss on that four seamer more than the average pitcher does. Um, so it, it, this might be the start of something, something very interesting for Desclafani and the fact he's still available in 80% of CBS sports leagues at a time when pitching is nobody has enough of it. I think uh, I think you need to take an li- extra long look at him. All right, there are two players who are owned in less than 20% of leagues who are, are doing some interesting things on the mound right now. Discafani was one guy I was going to talk about. The other is Martin Perez, who has added a cutter and has thrown it more than any other pitch. And uh, he mm-hmm. is now a Minnesota twin. He threw eight scoreless innings with seven strikeouts against the Astros. He still has less than a strikeout per inning, but... Uh, it's been a really good stretch now. Four straight starts for Martin Perez. Six innings, one earn. Six innings, four earn. Six innings, one earn. The first three starts were against Toronto and then Baltimore twice. But then yesterday, Perez goes out and dominates the Astros. And it looks like he's lined up for two starts next week. We currently on the website have him as a, as a one-star pitcher. But it looks like Perez might be at Toronto and home against Detroit next week. And like I said, the cut fastball is making a difference for him. So between Disclafani and Perez... How interested are you in them? Who would you prefer? I'll start with Scott. I think Desclafani, though there are some clear changes happening for Perez. You, you mentioned the cutter, which he's throwing a third of the time. And there's also like his fastball velocity is up. So that definitely explains why he's different this year. I just wonder if he's this good because... As you mentioned, it's not like it's led to a big strikeout total. It's you know still below average strikeout pitcher. Is he going to continue to pitch with this level of effectiveness in that situ- uh, 
given that, I mean, his ground ball rate is way down too, which isn't a good thing. So I'm I'm a little skeptical of him, though I, I do think he's worth noting and, and worth keeping an eye on. And with those two matchups, I totally get the case that he's a sleeper next week. Perez. Yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not particularly interested in either of these guys. Descalfani right now, as much as he has had a couple of three good starts in a row, he's got a three point nine five Sierra. He had a four point oh one Sierra for his career. That's not his peripherals haven't really changed that much. I think his FIP's even worse than that. And then Perez, he's striking out more batters than he ever has, but he still has a twenty percent strikeout rate. That's still not good. So right. I, I would rather have Desclafani. I'm, but both of these guys are still more streamers to me than anything else. So if Desclafani, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I'm just doing the math again because I saw it today. If Desclafani <laughs> pitches every five games for the Reds. He will face the Giants twice next week. Because the, the Reds face the Giants on Monday in the final game of a four game set. And then they're at the Giants for a weekend series. So you want to talk, like, if Perez has good matchups, Discafani basically has the best two start week you could possibly ask for. Twi- unless well, it was the two, twice. Yeah, I just like, it's so unrealistic to actually face the same team twice in one week. But yeah, like, he, Giants twice. This is pretty good for Discafani. So you, even if he's not long term, he might be a short term play for you. Any yeah. other standouts that you guys really want to talk about here? And you can't say Max Fried because he's coming up later in the show. <laughs> uh, I, I imagine all my others will be coming up in the show. Yeah, it's a thorough, thorough production job. We got plenty of guys to talk about. Heath, you good? Oh, what about Aguilar? Did you guys talk about him yesterday? Yes, we did, and he he went O for O with four walks yesterday. Four walks, but the, I think the more interesting thing is another right-hander was on the mound. So yes, he but, homers twice against a lefty but, when it looks like he's he's sinking into a platoon role. Let me put my butt in there. And then starts twice quick. against righty. <laughs> Go ahead. What's Chris, your butt in? Christian Yelich has been out, and Thames has been in right field. So we got to see what happens when Yelich comes back because Thames is doing fine himself. Yelich should be back this weekend, and then I think I won't have to butt in anymore because we'll know more about uh, <laughs> Aguilar. But no, it is encouraging for sure. Uh, all right, we'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Baseball today. we got the Thuriometer when we come back, the mostly third-base edition of Worryometer Wednesday on a Thursday. Stick around. Your email's later at fantasybaseball.cbsi.com. We'll be right back. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Who's thurried? Heath, you thurried today? That's not a word. (laughs) Thuriometer Thursday. All right, I got three third basemen and an outfielder. Zero to ten. Zero is not worried at all. Ten is extremely concerned. Chris Bryant, batting 225 right now. Um, 
I'll let you guys talk about the rest. But 225 with three homers and uh, 10 doubles. That's nice. He also got lifted in like the fifth inning for a pinch hitter. I don't know what happened there. It was a blowout, and he's been DHing. So um, 0 to 10 on Chris Bryant Heath. Three? He just has not regained the power. You look at his ISO the first three years of his career, 213, 262, 242, really fell off a cliff last year, and I think most of us expected that would bounce back. It's 186, which is slightly worse than it was in 2018. I think he's going to be okay, but I am getting a little bit concerned. Okay. Three for Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be like a five on this. Um, and I am finding like, when I did my thorough review of the rest of season rankings, Chris Bryant was the player that I was least confident in what to do with him. I'm, I'm kind of just leaving him where he is because I'm not ready to pull him down, but this is. You know, if it, if it was just a slow start in isolation, okay, I'd have a lot more confidence. But obviously, there's there, he's building a little bit of a history of underachieving in this way, and that has me concerned. I do think the batted ball data is promising. So, oh yeah, right, like like he's had he, terrible BABIP luck. He's not striking out as much. There, there's plenty of reasons to say Chris Bryant's going to be okay. Right, except tired of making excuses, but. Last year, he started off the season his first 38 games. Brian had a 10-22 OPS. Then he, then he got hurt. You know, he was. I don't know if it was exactly. You know, he got hurt, was dealing with a shoulder injury, and then it was shoulder or back. Mm-hmm. Shoulder, right? It happened at some point in May. So okay, yeah, okay, there right. was there was a drop off after that. But I even looked to I even looked to uh, 2017 and the fact he fell short of 30 homers then. Um, I guess the ISO was high as Heath was pointing out, but. The home run production was clearly lacking, and that's mainly what you pay for with Bryant. Yeah. Okay. Um, zero to ten for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is batting 167 in five games. He's terrible. He does have six strikeouts, which is interesting <laughs> to three walks. Uh, Scott, I'll start with you. Zero to ten for Vladdy. Uh, I'll say like a three just because he's a rookie, and you never know how that's you never totally know how that's going to manifest when they get called up, but it's it's obviously too early to have real concerns. Heath, I'll say a four. I'm slightly more concerned than Scott, but not really. Okay, zero to ten for Eugenio Suarez, who is just outside the top twenty at third base, batting just two twenty one. And one encouraging thing for Suarez. He usually makes his hay against lefties. He's really good against lefties, and the Reds have had the third fewest at-bats against lefties. Suarez currently has a an 1,100 OPS against southpaws, but only in 20 at-bats, so maybe that's why his numbers are down a little bit. But uh, Heath, 0-10, to 10, worryometer for Eugenio Suarez. I'll go with a 5, but it's I would assume that Scott's number is going to be lower just because I had more concerns about Suarez repeating what he did last year than Scott did. His hard contact rate is okay, but I don't think it's as good as it was in his breakout year. His average exit velocity actually has just cratered. You look at it on Baseball Savant, it was 86, 87 miles per hour from 2015 through 2017. Last year, it jumped to 91 miles per hour, which is elite. This year, it's back to 88.7, which is slightly above average. Wait, that's what, his exit velocity? Yes. And you said what was elite, 91? 
anything over 90 is very, very good. And 88 is not bad. Yeah, that, that doesn't – is there that much of a difference between three miles per hour, two and a half miles per hour? Well, there's not guys with a 70 yeah. mile per hour and there's not guys with 100 miles per hour. So, yes. Yeah, okay. there's three, three significant difference. But it, it, you know, it, it could also just be the fact that he's not, you know, his timing's not great right now and he's off to a slow start. I, I think the fact that the strikeout and walk rates are both the same as last year, the fact that he's, even with his struggles, he's already hit seven home runs. Um, I'll go, I'll go one lower than Heath. I'll say four. All right, so how would you rank Chris Bryant, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Eugenio Suarez? Just like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's, I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, the talk we had about Chris Bryant and that you still have him ranked ahead of Vlad. Vlad's done nothing. It's true. His three walks. <laughs> okay, cool. Last guy on the worryometer is Bryce Harper. Already getting booed. By Phillies fans. You know, Yankees fans caught a lot of flack for booing Giancarlo Stanton. And Stanton was a lot worse last year at the beginning of the season, at home anyway, than Bryce Harper. Um, Harper, though, a lot of strikeouts, man. 38 strikeouts. 23 walks is great in 30 games. He had three home runs in his first four games of the season. He has three since. And he is 26th in points, 34th in roto among outfielders. Scott, 0-10 to worryometer on Harper. Oh man, I will say, I will say two. I, I think whatever worries I have about Harper are that he's going to fall short of expect first round expectations again, as opposed to him just being not very good. I mean, the season numbers to date, uh, and I understand it's been it's been worse recently, but he still has an OPS verging on 900. So it's not like, uh, I mean, booing him is kind of silly. It's because it hasn't been that kind of start to the season, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, he, his strikeout rate for the second year in a row is up, and he's had issues with the batting average for several years now, and, and so that's it's it's going to be hard for him to be a first round caliber bat if that continues. What did what was your number? Worryometer number two. Okay, two, two for Harper and Heath. How about you? Uh, I'm not really concerned. The strikeouts aren't good, and it might keep him from being. Um, worthy of a top five pick, but he's crushing the baseball. I think he's going to be awesome and have a ton of runs in RBI. No worries. Cool. All right, that's Bryce Harper. Oh, we got a big Sunday coming up. Got the Kentucky Derby. So if you want to place a little wager on the Kentucky Derby, go to sportsline.com. Hammer and Hank Goldberg go straight to the source to get winning horse racing picks. Last year, Hank was all over Justify early after talking to a timer in California. Uh, so who is the hammer all over this year in the Kentucky Derby? Visit sportsline.com, click on Kentucky Derby to see his picks for this year's Derby, and use the promo code DERBY, not too hard, to get your first month for just $1. And it's only $9.99 after that, I believe. So $1 for your, for a Kentucky Derby pick, okay? Sportsline.com, use the code DERBY. Alrighty. Uh, let's see, we got news and notes, and we'll get into the call-ups, the bullpen, and the pitchers. Chris Archer is expected back when he's first eligible. Lucas Giolito, 26% owned. He's going to start today against the Red Sox. And he's had some good moments, some bad. Mostly, you know, 530 ERA is not good, but a lot of strikeouts. Anybody interested in Giolito? You know, he's 26% owned. That means he's more owned than Di Scafani and Martin Perez that we talked about. No. I'm more interested in those other two. 
Okay. Robinson Cano returned to the lineup. Josh Donaldson could return today. Juan Soto was scratched with back spasms. Jose Martinez, 66% owned. He has continued to start in right field for the Cardinals, even with both Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader back. And he's not hitting for any power, but he does give you batting average. Martinez has four straight two-hit games, and he's 66% owned. Uh, let's see. I, I mentioned that Alex Verdugo started against the lefty, but it was with David Freeze hurt. Francisco Cervelli not expected to go on the I.L. Domingo Santana, he's so good, he leads all outfielders in errors with six. Heath, what kind of outfielder has six errors on May 2nd? Uh, one that's played more games than anyone else. <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's a high total for a for a season yeah. for an outfielder, right? It's pretty bad. If, yeah, he's he's not been very good. Uh, Williams, he's been awesome with the bet. Williams Astudillo could have a short stay on the IL, not necessarily the minimum, but it could be short. And Kike Hernandez is twenty three for forty five against Madison Bumgarner in his career. Thank you, Associated Press. Kike Hernandez, 23 for 45 against the bum. All right, call-ups. Nick Senzel is coming up tomorrow. He's 76% owned. Really pretty bad in AAA so far this year, but very good in AAA last year. What, uh, Scott, what do you expect from Senzel? And an email from Brian. Where do you rank Senzel at second base and outfield rest of season in a points league? You can tell us points in Roto. So I, I think the most, the best thing about Nick Senzel is he does retain that second base eligibility from last year. Second base was considered one of the weaker positions coming in, and I think it's only gotten weaker since then. So he's, I'm already sticking him 12th at that position. I haven't given outfield too much thought yet because he's not eligible there yet. But, um, you know, he, he needs to be added in, in the 25% of the leagues where he's available. It's hard to know exactly what to expect. It's always hard to know what to expect with prospect call-ups. But in, in Senzel's case, what makes it more difficult is just he's missed so much time with injuries. Even last year, he didn't get to 200 at-bats. Um, but I feel like it the the level of talent is so obvious. Like He was one of those guys drafted second overall, starts playing in the minors, and you, you're like, okay, this guy's clearly just biding his time down there. There's no reason for them to hold it back. Um, and so I think there's a good chance he just comes up and is a must start option from here till the end of the season. No guarantees, of course, but you take a chance on that kind of upside. Um, I, I'd take a flyer, like if, if it came to it, and obviously I have, I still like Ryan McMahon, I'd want to hold on to him, but if it came to it, I'd drop somebody like McMahon for Senzel at this point. Did you? So you've got Senzel ahead of both Brandon Lau and Jeff McNeil? Yes, I do. Yeah, I've, uh, they both, I've got those two both have playing time concerns. I've got him behind that group. I've, I've got him around 19 at second base, and let's just let's see if he can hit major league pitching first. Okay, what about an outfield? Fifty. Fifty. So I mean, that's... obviously, be higher for me. Fifty um, for you is Adam Jones. Forty. Okay, 40, 40 for you is Shinsu like, Chu. He's not outfield eligible, so right. we don't have him ranked there, so it's hard to just pull a num- number out of a hat. Yeah, well, Shinsu Chu is pretty good company. I'd rather have Shinsu Chu, for sure. So if Senzel's sitting on waivers for you and Chu is your bottom player, you're not dropping Chu for Senzel? No. Chu is very good. Chu sits against lefties, though. 
I don't. Sometimes the thing is, like Shinchu Shin, oh, Chu. Every year we do, <laughs> like he has a streak, and he, you have to pick him up. But at the end of the day, because he's actually in the notes today, he's seventy three percent owned, which is almost exactly the same as Senzel. Um, his okay. Here's Shinsu Chu's one hundred and sixty two game pace over his previous five, I believe, five seasons. It's a seven eighty seven OPS with twenty three homers and nine steals. Like he's really not that good. He's good in points leagues because his plate discipline's good. You know, he gets on base. He he's leading off right now, but he's not that good. He's he's on fire right now, and I'm not saying you shouldn't you shouldn't have him over Senzel. I'm just saying he's really not that good. Yeah, um, I think that's like that 162 game pace is right. It also comes with 100 runs, and it also because he's generally hitting at the top of the order. And in points leagues, he's even better because he's going to walk a ton. I like he all he generally finishes higher than where I have him ranked right now. Well, that is true. He he does finish pretty much a top thirty. And he does have a three ninety seven BABIP, so he's not like he's not this good. He's not. No, he's not going to be three thirty. There's no chance. Yeah, but Uh, he's as good as he's been for the last ten years of his career. Okay. Well, look, I have him in the podcast league, and I'm probably going to win this week. So that's pretty amazing. Shinsu Chu. Uh, all right, uh, other call-ups here. Um, oh, Brian in his email about Senzel said that Foreigner is greater than Aerosmith. I don't. What is it about everybody who listens to this damn show, but listening to Chris too much and thinks that Aerosmith is bad? Like, you, you're all you're ridiculous, ridiculous, Brian. Terrible I will email. Say, George, our editor George was very mad at me over that take yesterday, saying Foreigner was better than Aerosmith. Also, I got. Multiple tweets saying Heath, you're right about Foreigner over Aerosmith. I got zero tweets saying Heath, right. why do you hate Aerosmith? Pull a Twitter poll time. Don't forget, I always do a Twitter poll mid show. Every time I do a Twitter poll mid show, I forget to update it. But uh, remind me to update it. Which band is better? A Aerosmith, B Foreigner. Let's see what the people have to say. I think our emails skew a little older than Twitter poll results. I would expect Aerosmith wins this one. Yeah, because handily. the younger crowd likes Aerosmith's, ter- Aerosmith's terrible. You are the like, worst. Aerosmith had Aerosmith had a great run. I'm not. I like a lot of Aerosmith songs. It, it ended very poorly, and I think those are the songs that the young kids like. But okay, uh, who else is called up? Uh, Griffin Canning is going to make at least one more start. I I did not think he was like a two and done guy. Um, so that's disappointing, and I'm sorry that I didn't communicate that better. But uh, well, at least. At least one more start, but I I thought like he was up. He probably just needs to pitch better. Yeah, he pitched better than his line. Eighteen swinging yeah, strikes. Yeah, definitely right? did. ERA matters. It does. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, if he if he is got rave reviews too, I don't think anybody I, I saw any quotes from Angels personnel um, that was anything less than excited about the way he performed. So if if he does have a great start next time, I mean, there's it's not like it's not like they have a bunch of fixtures right. in that rotation that are he couldn't displace permanently. All right, we are not we are going way too slow um, because we got a lot to get to. So I'm going to give you the rest of the names. It's not good for Michael Kane. Not <laughs> good for Michael Kane. <laughs> Cal Quantrill called up by the Padres yesterday. Tyler Beatty is going to start tomorrow for the Giants. Glenn Sparkman, likely going back to AAA unless, if, unless he's already there. Uh, but he pitched great for the uh, Royals yesterday. Kelvin Gutierrez, a hitter, is actually doing very well for the Royals so far. 
333 batting average with a home run in five games. And Milwaukee recalled Corbin Burns, but he pitched out of the bullpen yesterday. But do you have any interest in Cal Quantrill, Tyler Beatty, Glenn Sparkman, or Kelvin Gutierrez? I'm keeping an eye on Beatty. I'm not rushing out and picking him up. It does look like a spot start situation, but he has uh, he has reinvented himself this season, kind of going back to the strengths that made him a first round pick once upon a time, and for good reason. It was a complete disaster last year, but ditched like three pitches and is going back to just power arsenal, miss as many bats as possible, 98 miles per hour fastball, uh, high spin curveball. 13 strikeouts per nine in the minors with a sub two ERA, but some control issues, some efficiency issues. So I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see, but I, it's, it's at least interesting. Taking a quick break. When we come back, bullpen, Ty Buttry got a save. Hector Neris pitched in the sixth inning. AJ Minter pitched with a four run lead in the ninth inning. We'll talk about it all. We got the good, the bad, and the ugly with pitchers. We got some trade talk, a lot to come on fantasy baseball today. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, in the bullpen, ladies and gentlemen, Ty Buttry got a two-inning save. Hector Neris got one out in the sixth inning. Uh, he came on with two on, two out in a 1-1 game and got out of the jam. A.J. Minter pitched up 5-1 to one in the ninth. Michael Givens got his second save of the season for Baltimore. Ian Kennedy got his second save of the season for Kansas City. Sergio Romo got his fifth save, and Michael Lorenzen Got a save in place of Rice Iglesias, who was unavailable. Heath, did we learn anything in the bullpen yesterday? Uh, that it's still all terrible, and we hate it all. <laughs> Hector <laughs> Neris is not a traditional closer. He is the currently best reliever for the Phillies and will be used as such. We don't know who the closer is for the Angels. The Royals don't get enough saves for it to matter. Sergio Romo is probably underrated. Um... That's it. AJ I, I mean, hasn't Ken- completely lost the ability to pitch. If Kennedy is the Royals' closer, and we have very little evidence of that, but he's been awesome in a bullpen role, uh, which I think some people were thinking for a long time because he's he's basically a two-pitch pitcher, um, that if he got this chance, he would thrive in it. So I... You know, I, I, other than, other than Naris, who had been pitching in the ninth a lot prior to this outing, I think Kennedy's my favorite here. Although, I should point out, I once knew a man named Lorenzo, last <laughs> name Kane, like mine only spelled differently, no E. So I was at the supermarket again, and this time I went to see the butcher. I was looking to make a stew. I needed some chicken. I asked him, do you have any chicken breasts? He said, Yes, sir. What are you looking to make? I said a stew. He said, well, if you're looking to make a stew, you should probably go with the chicken thigh instead. It would remain tender as it heats up into stew. I said, well, that sounds perfect. I'll take four. He said, well, there's a problem. They only come in packs of six. I said, well, are you a butcher? Aren't you, butcher? Can you go get me four chicken thighs? So he goes back. He's gone for five, ten minutes, comes back out. Sure enough, has four chicken thighs. I said, now that wasn't so hard, 
was it? He said, it was agony. <laughs> so I take the chicken thighs. I feel them. They're heavy. They're, they're, they're big. I say, why are they so heavy and big? He says to me, well, they're standard chicken thighs. I don't know. I look at them. I see there's bones inside. I said, bones? I'm a busy celebrity here. It's, it's rare that I cook for myself at all. I can't be deboning my own thighs. I want boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Please go find some of those for me. So he kind of grumbles to himself, goes back, is gone five, ten minutes. Again, at this point, <laughs> I've been with the butcher a long time. I'm getting pretty hungry. I turn around. I see a bunch of pre-made soups behind me. It's not a stew, but I, I figure it would serve my purposes just fine. And above those soups, there's a, co- a collection of different breads. There's rolls. There's biscuits. There's cornbread. I, I noticed there's cornbread there with the blueberries baked right in. I say, well, how about that? That sounds like a perfectly good way to ruin a stew. And the butcher overhears me because at this point he's come back. He says, what's the matter? You've never heard about having berries with your bread? I said, no, sir. I prefer my bread. Buttery. <laughs> so, yeah, Thai how Butcher got you, a save yesterday. Like, that's unbelievable. I I was like, where the hell is this going? That was, <laughs> how was he going to get Buttery's name in there? The chicken thighs are going to be too Buttery? Uh, gosh, Scott. We're well, basically uh, taking Michael Caine around the grocery store. That was really, <laughs> the, <laughs> commitment, the commitment is just, just top notch. That's outstanding. So, if you were going to pick one, would you rather own Buttery or Robles? Robles. I would rather... <laughs> Robles. say Robles? Yeah. 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 I, I do think he's more likely than not to get the next save, but I don't think... I don't think Brad Osmus really knows, and I think Buttery is the better pitcher. So. Buttery is the better pitcher, and Osmus uses him that way, but he doesn't use him as the closer. This was a two-inning save. Yeah. So, like, so I the think... The other right. thing, real quick... Just about this group of pitchers, because we skipped one of them, and he could be really, really interesting, and that's Jalen Beeks. Yeah. He was awesome as a starting pitcher with the Red Sox in 2018, had like 12K per nine and an ERA below three. He's been stretched out a couple of times this season and been pretty good in those performances. He's striking out more than a batter per inning. He's got an ERA below three, and I don't know that it's that unlikely that he ends up as one of their not-starter starters. Yeah, Jalen Beeks for the Rays, uh, widely available, 4% owned, could be one of those relievers that gives you very good ratios. Okay, uh, Foreigner, 26%, Aerosmith, 74%, 285 votes in. Let's talk about pitchers now. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, part one. Max Scherzer, these are guys that you're, you're pretty much never sitting. Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, Hyunjin Ryu, Scherzer actually does have a 408 ERA, like it's worth mentioning, and deGrom has, Struggled this year. He had 20 swinging strikes yesterday. And John Lester was the other guy. Lester's got a 173 ERA and a strikeout per inning. So as you look at Scherzer, Lester, DeGrom, and Ryu, um, yeah, what do you, who would you rather have, Ryu or Lester? Ryu. Yes. But I think reports of Lester's demise may have been greatly exaggerated. He's, he's doing the old man trick of recognizing his fastball isn't what it once was, so he's throwing it less. He's throwing his cutter more. And the extra movement he's getting there is is leading to some weak contact. And enough strikeouts that you're not necessarily concerned it's going to all it's going to come crashing down. So I'm kind of in the same place with Lester where I was with Hamels last year where I 
assumed it was pretty much going over going into the season, but uh, the results have been encouraging. Then I'm I'm rethinking that stance now. Okay, so that was so. I, we have anything to say about Scherzer or Degrom? Are they better than their ERAs? Yes. Yes, I think the fact that Scherzer's one and four, um, you know, you'd have to be playing in a league with novices, but that might be an interesting buy low situation because the production has been underwhelming for a first round pick pitcher. Are Scherzer and Degrom the top two pitchers in fantasy baseball? I dropped Degrom behind Verlander, um, which may have been premature. But I think Verlander's, it, it, if nothing else, he's in that discussion. Sure. Okay, cool. Uh, the good part two from yesterday. Miles Michaelis, six innings, one run, four strikeouts uh, at Washington. Washington playing without Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto. This was a really bad lineup. Michaelis did great. Caleb Smith Wild was awesome again, man. He's got a two ERA. Caleb Smith has nine walks, 45 strikeouts in 36 innings. And then Madison Bumgarner had a very good start against the Dodgers. He has a 392 ERA with seven walks, 43 strikeouts in 43 and two-thirds and a 110 whip. And Bumgarner said, I've been feeling close, but just a touch off. All year it's felt like it's right there, but not quite what I'm looking for. Been studying stuff, trying to try different things to get where I want to be, which in my mind is a perfect delivery. I don't think it's there, but it's definitely better than it was, than it has been. Everything felt much better today than it has in a while. That's Madison Bumgarner. And how about Max Freed? I traded him two days ago, and now he's a strikeout machine. His uh, five quality starts and six starts for Freed. He dominated the Padres without Tatis. And his swinging strikes in his last five starts, swinging strikes for Freed, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. That's pretty fun. Uh, yes. You know what's... You know what's changed the last two, his highest two, the two double digits, are that, and remember my concerns about Freed and, and would he be able to miss enough bats, would he be able to keep this up? Uh, apart from innings, it was the fact he was a two-pitch pitcher. Well, the last two starts, he's been a three-pitch pitch pitcher. He's been mix, mixing in a slider, and it's, you know, it's, it's his third most used pitch, but it has a pretty good whiff rate in its own right. And uh, it might be a game-changer. I am... I am moving, I am expecting to move Freed up in my rankings quite a bit. Caleb Smith is the, the highest ranked of this group for me now. And I, I mm-hmm. kind of think he belongs in that. There was a couple weeks ago, I wrote a piece called They Might Be Aces about some of the young pitchers that were just outside of my ace tier. And I don't know if any of those guys have been better than Caleb Smith. And it almost entirely looks legit. So he will be in my top 25 starting pitchers by the time this show's over. He is third in swinging strike rate, according to baseball reference, which measures it a little differently from fan graphs. He's third. Second is Garrett Cole. Do you know who first is? Blake Snell. Really? Interesting. Yeah. All right, so how would you rank Michaelis, Caleb Smith, Bumgarner, and Freed? Heath already said Smith is one. Why don't you take the rest of it, Heath? Smith, Michaelis, Bumgarner, Freed. Who's, how do you rank them? I'll go Smith, Michaelis, Bumgarner, Freed. Michaelis and Bumgarner, I'm, I'm still a little bit concerned about, but, and Freed was well behind this group coming into this start. He is, I am going to move him up as well, but I, like I've got Bumgarner at 36. I've got Michaelis at 31. I would guess Freed's going to be right around 40. Scott, how would you rank Smith, Michaelis, Bumgarner, Freed? That's how Heath had him. 
I'd go Smith, Bumgarner, and at this right now, I'm inclined to put Freedy ahead of Michaelis, but I, I'll take a closer look at that when I actually do it. Tough, tough week next week for Freed at the Dodgers and at Arizona. I'll start him, but if he comes through those starts looking good, then we might have something big here. If he comes through those start, starts looking bad, then it might not be a huge deal because the Dodgers and Arizona. I, I cannot believe biggest surprise to me right now in baseball to me is that Arizona has like a really good lineup. They have one of the highest scoring teams in baseball. I thought they were going to have one of the lowest scoring teams in baseball. So kudos to them. And, um, yeah, I traded Freed for Clint Frazier. I thought I was making a even trade. Now I feel like I may have lost, but I did need hitting. Do, do you wish that you had traded Chris Sale for Max Freed and Gary Sanchez? <laughs> no. No. Still no. no. Yeah, but close. Um, Your record would currently be better, for sure. Our record's currently better than yours, for sure. I mean, Sale's last starts have been good. And I think we won ERA with for fantasy purposes. Well, yeah, the last one was because it was it was two er, two er runs. The last two, he had ten strikeouts in five innings two starts ago. I mean, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Aerosmith, 76%, Farner, 24%. Uh, The bad. So that's the good. How about the bad from yesterday? Aaron Nola, only one run, but I'm still going to call it bad. Seven hits, three walks. What's up with the walks? This guy is so consistently great with command, great with control, and he's walking 3.9 batters per nine. So Aaron Nola was bad. He has two quality starts in seven starts. Uh, Jamison Tyone, you know, quality start, but I'm I'm going to call it bad. Six and a third, four runs, three earned, five strikeouts at Texas. Uh, it was at home against Texas. It was against Texas. And he has a career-high 11.8 swinging strike rate. And a career low 7.2 Ks per nine. Explain that. Masahiro Tanaka could not get through five innings. He pitched only four innings at Arizona. He's been bad lately. And Colin McHugh, four runs in six innings with only two strikeouts. And he's been a little rough over his last three starts. So again, the bad pitchers from yesterday are Nola, Tyone, Tanaka, and McHugh. Scott, any concerns in this group? Yeah, I mean, Tanaka's, I feel like, has been who he is. McHugh, I don't have any concerns there because the investment was much lower and there's been a lot of positive signs. Uh, but those other two, Nola and Tyone, the fact Tyone's season high in strikeouts is only five for a guy who, that was the big question coming in. He's, it seemed like he answered it down the stretch last year. Would he miss enough bats? And now it, I think it's a question again. And Nola, um, like I, I'm still inclined to believe he's going to turn things around to be an ace. I would still call him a buy low, but among the struggling aces, he is the one who I think raises the most concerns for me. Because if you think back over the course of his development, it was kind of surprising the way he started missing bats as much like he did back in 2017, and obviously continued into 2018. Um, the fast, you know, he's not a guy who throws particularly hard, uh, and just doesn't have the swinging strike rate of a lot of the aces. And it's down this year. It's down at the level it was before that breakthrough. It's just not missing bats. And, and looking at the arsenal, I, I, it's not totally clear to me he's going to get that back. Though again, if I was a betting man, I would bet on it at this You're point. You're talking about Nola, I just right? Think there's. Yeah, I just think there's reason for doubt. Yeah, he he does have a strikeout per inning, probably because he's facing a lot of hitters, probably a strikeout rate kind of deal. Yeah. 
Um, but I just think the walks are the bigger issue, and that's the thing that I expect to come down. It doesn't make sense that he's walking so many guys. He's, it's like Porcello, you know, and he's yeah. obviously better than Porcello. Um, well, right. he, he, he that, that's talk- not the part I'm concerned about. They're high, but I, yeah, I don't really have much reason to believe they'll stay high. Yeah, if you look at his strikeout percentage, it was 26, 27% each of the last two years. Even in 2016, it was 25%, 22.8. And yes, three to four percent does make a big difference. His walk rate's up to almost 10%. I still, like Scott, have Nola in the ace tier, but he has dropped down. The only potential ace that I have below him now is Noah Syndergaard. So Nola's down to 14th. I did kind of the same thing with Tyone, who's in that almost ace group. And he's actually behind Caleb Smith now at 25th. How would you guys rank Nola? Nola's going to be one. How would you rank Tyone, Tanaka, McHugh? Just like that. Yep. Okay. Tanaka apparently has been missing his splitter lately. Got it back yesterday. Got more swinging strikes, but not a good result. Uh, The Ugly from yesterday. So those guys were bad. These guys were worse. Blake Snell, Carlos Rodon, Marco, Marco Gonzalez, and Marcus Stroman. Uh, Stroman said, I didn't have a great feel, but it was just a weird night. A lot of weird things happened. I'm not even slightly worried about it. You're going to have games like this. Some of those ground balls could have gone right at guys. I think he got like two ground ball outs. I don't know how many ground balls he actually got, but Stroman is a very confident man um, very often. Blake Snell, Carlos Rodon, Marco Gonzalez, Marcus Stroman, none of them made it out of the fourth inning. Heath, do you have concerns about these guys and... Why, you know, I grouped them together because Rodon is actually owned in 84% of leagues. I, um, my favorite, one of my favorite stats so far now is that Blake Snell has thrown 25 innings this year against teams other than the Royals, and he's given up six runs. He has thrown six and a third against the Royals, and he has allowed 10 runs. <laughs> that makes no sense. The Royals are not good. Yes, those last two starts are against the Royals. I just, I'm not that concerned about it. I'm not moving Blake Snell in my rankings. He's still a top three starting pitcher. Rodon, Gonzalez, and Stroman are all in that range for me where it doesn't take too much for me to be worried about them. It's now two bad starts for Carlos Rodon. I'm much more worried about him than I am Stroman. And those two bad starts for Rodon were against um, really bad offenses. I can't find them in my notes. Cleveland, the Yankees, really bad and off- the Tigers. But all of them were on the road. Rodon has an 11.91 ERA on the road and a one. Uh, no, uh, at wait. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, Scott. My bad. His three quality starts were at Cleveland, at the Yankees, at Detroit, and his three mm-hmm. bad ones were at home. Um, or maybe four. Anyway, he's got a 12 ERA on the road at home and a 193 ERA on the road. So I thought maybe that was an issue for Rodon, but that's not a career long issue. Like the last two years, he's actually been better at home than on the road. So I I don't think there's anything there. Um, uh, I yeah this, yeah. Like, this one wasn't near as bad as the Tigers start, and that I mean he got lit up in that one. They kind of pulled him before he could get into too much trouble here. He gave up three yeah. earned runs, but he also had six strikeouts over that stretch as well. So he's. This isn't as worrying he's, as worrisome as the Tiger one. He's still throwing his slider a lot more, so it's not like he's reverted to old tendencies. Um, so I'm not giving up on him quite yet. Okay, but there, you know, there uh, are. I, I do think we need to mention Snell's toe injury. Yeah. Because you know, two bad starts since coming back from that. He says he's confident in the way he feels, and that's not it. He just needs to locate better. So take that for what it's worth. 
Okay, Rodon, Marco Gonzalez, and Stroman. Could you see yourself dropping any of them for a two-star pitcher, a hitter you want? Because to me, the answer is Rodon. Not sure I'd drop the other guys. Yeah, he's the most droppable. He's the only one who is at any level of droppable, I would agree. Although Gonzalez has some concerning stuff that are underlying the numbers. Hasn't really been much of a ground ball pitcher at all this year. And the strikeouts, which were already bad, are down from last year. Um, but he's, you know, the numbers are so good, you're not dropping him. I just wonder if they're going to stay good. Okay, we're obviously going to be saving the trade talk for tomorrow's show. Only seven or eight games today, maybe nine games, so should have plenty of time. Uh, Merrill Kelly and Daniel Norris both pitched and pitched fairly well. Do you like them? No. Okay. Okay, that works for me. <laughs> How about these three hitters that are owned in about 35% of leagues? Do you like them? Mitch Moreland, Danny Santana, and Christian Vasquez. Uh, I mean, like, I know Christian Vasquez has been a top 10 catcher. Top 8. How about that? So, like, it's so bad there, I can understand why somebody would but he's not good. You know, he's not. De- uh, Danny Santana's been good in the past and has really impressive exit velocity and line drive rates this year. Uh, you know, the, because he's batting 355, the BABIP is obviously high, but it, it's a high BABIP profile that he's shown so far with some power, with some speed. Uh, they're keep finding places for him to play. Uh, I haven't added him anywhere. Obviously, really deep leagues he needs to be owned. Um, but I'm, I'm, I think this is interesting. I, I don't think it's a, it may not be a total fluke. And I, I want to defend the honor of Christian Vasquez just a little bit. Okay. Because catcher's terrible. And yes. I'm not saying that he's good, but I think he might be okay. And okay is a starting catcher in just about any league. He doesn't strike out too much. He's making decent contact, not particularly good contact. He's playing quite a bit. Mm-hmm. those three things in combination, and he's done all this. He's a number eight catcher in fantasy with a 218 BABIP. Christian Vasquez has already equaled his career high in home runs with five, um, 36% owned. Okay, let's read some emails to end the show. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. And tomorrow we will do some trade talk. I apologize we didn't get to that. Tomorrow we'll look at two-star pitchers, most added list, all that. Jacob wants to know how long he should hold on to the worst pick in his draft, Dallas Keuchel. <laughs> the worst pick in his draft. Uh, I that's I I, I want to hold on to him till he signs because you know it's going to happen. But he has been dropping a little bit every time I update my rankings, and I I feel like you just have to look at the rankings and see if he's. At the thresholds, if he's above the threshold where those pitchers have to be owned or not in your particular league. Yeah, I'm holding him in a points league, but I'm probably letting him go in a categories league. Sergio wants to know, that's Dallas Keiko we were talking about. Sergio wants to know how you feel about Danny Jansen, rest of season and in dynasty. Danny Jansen has been unbelievably bad. He's been one of the worst like players ever to grace a baseball field. (laughs) That can't be that far. It's I'm, I feel, I, I will apologize to everyone for suggesting he might not be terrible. Well, wait a second. <laughs> so you're giving up on him? Complete, like, even, even with catcher in the state it is. 
I, I do worry about he's losing playing time because of this. He should. Time, and that's agreed. But he scored five points last week. Let's give Danny Jansen some credit. No, I understand. I understand. <laughs> Just where do you, where do you find hope at catcher? I still feel like he's yeah. on the higher end of the hope scale. Yeah. Well, do you still have hope for him in dynasty? Like, yeah, we, we should I mean, not judge him too hard. We gotta have more hope for him than any than than. I, I think the one thing we've we didn't and we've talked about it a lot of times before. Catchers have so many responsibilities other than hitting that when they first come up and become everyday catchers for the first time, a lot of them are terrible hitters because they're worried about all the other things that they're supposed to do. And we like I, maybe it's because Jansen had played 31 games, but we really didn't talk about that with him this year. Maybe that's what's going on. Tony wants to know. Well, I mean, let's move on. Guys, uh, Tony wants to know, Forrest Whitley versus Casey Miser. Who do you think will have the better career? Forrest Whitley versus Casey Miser. Casey Mize, right? Oh, it, it, yes. yes. Sorry, he wrote Mize. There's no R on the end. I should have. Um, that. Mize is the guy who just threw the no-hitter, right? Yes. And he is too good for the minors. I think that's apparent. He, do- he has less than a strikeout per inning, but he's facing so few hitters that it would be hard to have a strikeout per inning. Um, I'm inclined to say Whitley still. I know he's off to a terrible start at AAA, but I just feel like the ceiling with the strikeouts is higher. They're both really good. Yeah, I'll say Whitley. Okay, Will says Adam needs to watch Thor Ragnarok. Is that am I saying that right? Rag- yeah, I think that's my yeah. favorite movie of this entire uh, collection. Okay, he said, It's in my top five. Will says, it's laugh out loud funny and super entertaining. I was a major Marvel movie hater until I watched the Guardians movies and Ragnarok. Now I just sit back and enjoy them versus seeing them as formulaic moneymakers like my old jaded self viewed them. Okay, thank you, Will. I will try <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. I've also heard very good things about it. Maybe can squeeze in two more emails here. Uh, Mike wants us to talk about Julio Arias. Uh, is he worth keeping in the chance he might get to start again? Julio Arias. I mean, it's not a flat no, but in most leagues, I have higher priorities than that. Last one. I Heath. would rather hold on to Arias than Keiko, I think. Heath, rest of season, Spencer Turnbull or Vince Velasquez? This is from Scott. Uh, I'm going to stick with Velasquez. Okay. And um, Thank you. I needed the answer to that. Very helpful. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Scott. Uh, how long do you, uh, stash Craig Kimbrell? That's our last question. Oh, that's a clearer stash than Keiko because when he gets a job, you know, he's going to be, I mean, unless, unless whatever happens to Greg Holland happens to him, but I would bet against that. Um, he's going to be a closer and he's going to be one of the best and it's, it's hard to find reliable sources of saves in 2019. See, I, Scott said it's a clearer case. I think it's a mirror case. I am okay with dropping Craig Kimbrell in a points league. You cannot even yes. consider it in a categories league. Yes. And apparently, according to Nick in Chicago, John Oliver did a hilarious bit about peeps, and I will have to watch that. Thank you to Scott. Thank you to Heath. We'll talk to you on Friday on Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm Adam Azer. See you then. <laughs>